Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. Welcome back to the things we say. I'm Sheldon and I'm Nate. And joining us in the studio tonight is my wife. Yes, Jessica. Hello. There we go. <laughs> she was just pointing out that this used to be the boiler room in my house and it is true. Yeah. This this used to have the boiler in it back when that was a thing. I'm very bothered tonight. <laughs> Share with the class, Sheldon. Why are you bothered? Because the room is different. <laughs> I walked in, and that bookcase has moved from over there to over there. The computer has gone from over there to over there. Like It's like you took the entire room and how it was laid out and just rotated it 180 degrees, including all the books, all the movies. I used to stare at these movies when I didn't care what you were talking about. I'm trying to formulate my own thoughts. See, now you can stare at the books instead. Yeah, they're behind me. It's better for you to well, stare at I've, the books. I've already studied all the books because they're behind but here's, your head. Here's the thing. And again, I haven't read, fun- I've read functionally, most of those books. Functionally, this is a good thing because now we can actually have four people on this podcast on opposite sides of the table. Whereas before, we had to put two people on one side. It was very cramped. You basically had to crawl under the table. This is a much better <laughs> way. But Sheldon is kind of an old man when it comes to things yes. like this. And change is just not great. Hence why... Every time I move something, he knows. Where no, first of all. no, he doesn't. He only oh. knows until he doesn't notice until he wants to know where something is. <laughs> and it's like, well, it always lived in this cupboard. I'm I like, actually, every, I think that's every man. Uh, I don't think that's. I exclusive don't really to care Sheldon. where it is until I want to interact with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if I need it for something. I need to use something. Well, that's pragmatic. I'm I'm all right with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I'm not saying it's right, but ironically. It is the thing. When I walked in, this is how I imagined it to be. Because when you do a selfie with a with a camera phone, right. it swaps it. Swaps it. it. Mm-hmm. So every picture I've ever seen, this is how I imagined it to be. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So, did you know? Here we go. The, the magnetic North Pole is wandering around? No. So, the magnetic North Pole, I'm going to show you a quick map. In 1900, it was here, somewhere in none of it, uh-huh. Canada. So just above the Hud- just to the upper left of the Hudson Bay. Okay. And then it moved along. It's just a couple miles from 1900 to 1920. It's not that far. Yeah. Then it wanders a little further by 1940. You're up into some of those upper islands in northern Canada. And by 1980, it's almost reaching the outer limit of yeah. Canada where the land mass is in the north, all the way up in the Arctic. In 2000, it is all the way up above the 80th parallel. And by 2010, it had moved as far between 1980 and 2010. It's moved further than from 1900 to 1980. Huh. Magnetic North is zooming across, and now it's almost at 
what is actual north, like our yeah. axis, the axis of so the Earth. So what does that mean? True north and magnetic north are two different things. Yeah. As far as I can tell, <laughs> we don't know. I was going to say, but what, does this, what does this mean is the big question. What does this mean? What's even crazier is nobody can explain why it's happening. Um, I mean, the, the, the poles have reversed in the past, correct? About every 200 to 300,000 years, scientists tell us that the poles have reversed, and they've probably done it a couple hundred times, depending on how old you think the Earth is. Yeah. Being a young Earth creationist, I would say that it never happened. Yeah. So... There's so, me. So it could be catastrophic in your mind. <laughs> somebody, be so, well, one of our earlier podcasts, I was presenting gap theory with such vigor that somebody said, you do realize that's called gap theory. And I'm like, yeah, very familiar with it. That's why I was <laughs> explaining it. I'm like, it might surprise you to know that I'm a young earth creationist. I'm like, not that I have any dispute with anybody else. Like, you can believe what you want to believe. That's right. fine. I just I don't believe that God could have created it. An Earth that appears very, very old, not Earth that long history. ago. Right. Like, <laughs> like the fact that Adam and Eve were created as fully Big grown people. people. Yes. And that the stars <clears throat> shined. Do you realize how many hundred thousand light years it would take for that light to even hit your eyes? Like, if they're shining now, yeah. something I've, you know, I've in always, the laws of physics was overcome. If you're a I've, young Earth creationist, there's a lot of faith involved. Yes. I just have enough faith for that. Well, and it's funny because I've... <laughs> Yeah. I've always thought it's funny that people make this a linchpin of theology. And I'm like, yeah, this doesn't actually matter. No, this does like, not like save how you. how it happened. If you come down, as long as you believe, as I do, that God created it all, all the that rest is, is the just, de- all the rest is detail. Yeah. All the rest is detail. But yeah, it's so funny to me, the people that will write whole books or guys like, what is that, Ken Ham, who will have really horrible debates that make me embarrassed. <laughs> and I go, dude, you are useless in this case. Can you stop? Yes, please stop. We but, love you, but yeah. stop. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I, was, I was reading about Magnetic North Pole, and it was freaking me out. Um, I wonder how much that has to... It, it what, what kind of effect that has what, on what the was current climate issues that everybody seems to be freaking out about? Well, well and that that's was... what I'm wondering. Do we know what it all affects? Because, I don't know. Um, I'm reading... I was trying to find what I had read earlier, but it it says um, the opening of this article kind of gets into it, and that's from National Geographic's article on it. They say, magnetic north has never sat still. In the last hundred years or so, the direction in which our compasses steadfastly point has lumbered ever northward, driven by Earth's churning liquid outer core, some 1,800 miles beneath the surface. So my guess is it's yeah, like... Yeah, in recent years, nine, scientists noticed something unusual. Magnetic North's routine plot had shifted into high gear, sending it galloping across the northern hemisphere. No one can explain why. My problem with this is a little bit that it has to do with what they're trying to describe as jets in the liquid inner core uh-huh. of the Earth. And I'm like, this is some sort of scientific theory that I'm not familiar with yeah like i have no this is a big black hole for me yeah yeah in my understanding of what's going on in the goo in the the hot (laughs) goo in the middle of the earth maybe maybe magnetic north is just like that awkward person that finds himself in a place they're not supposed to be 
And, you know, they start, it's like if, if they come on stage on accident, for example. Oh, initially, I'm not supposed to be here. Initially, they kind of try <laughs> to ease themselves off. But once they get really close to the edge, they'll suddenly make a break for it. Yeah. Maybe it's just like, hey, I'm not true north. I need to fix myself. But what's, and it's just gradually doing what's that. What's funny is Not for, that I expect magnetic north to be sentient and actually understand <laughs> what it's doing. But for anyway. navigation and, like, especially runway numberings. So uh, the runway where I used to work was 1-8 and 3-6 yeah. because it faced about north. So the south, if you're taking off to the south, you'd be taking off 1-8, 180 degrees, yeah. or 3-6, which is 360 degrees due north. So it, as the poles shifted, they had to remark a lot of runways because it's shifted more than 10 degrees depending where you are in relation to magnetic north because airplanes still use compasses. Yeah. And they all are calibrated for where magnetic north is in relation to your compass. I, I will admit, I didn't know that magnetic no- north was even a thing until you brought this up. 100% didn't know no that. No idea. So <laughs> yeah. this is all new information for me. Yeah. The earth turns on a specific axis that doesn't move, but magnetic north itself moves in the like people were freaking out because the poles could reverse. That seems like it, it's never going to happen. It, it probably will not happen in the foreseeable future that yeah. the poles would reverse. Interesting. But nobody like what would that do exactly? Well, what does that even mean? Like, well, they, the North Pole would be the South Pole. But I, I and get if you're that. a flat Earther, then we flip the pillow over. We've started on a new side. <laughs> so now you are upside down. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you're gonna have to dig back through to the other side where we're all because you don't believe in gra- gravity. If you're a flat Earther, you don't oh. believe in gravity. So we've flipped it around, and now you're just falling through space. That's oh actually what I thought of when you were talking about it. We were talking a little in the reverse. car. Is like no, the anti gravity. Like if it changes. Does gravity change? Like as it's moving, Do we all just get pushed off. Yeah, the we're like in spaceland. We can drink the water where it like floats oh. up to the ceiling, the way they do in those videos. So like just some random time where we just get to float around weightlessly on the planet, yeah. and then just go. Mm. No, it doesn't dispense with gravity. <laughs> the Earth still has mass. I'm I not know. sure you people know how gravity. I, know how I don't works. know any of this. But I'm just enjoying. <laughs> I'm just. This <laughs> is like I was not educated in the ways <laughs> no. of gravity. I'm My just brain. enjoying the idea of floating. That's that's all. I, My brain literally thinks in pictures. Because I, I have mass. Don't try to explain mass, it. If you have mass, you have gravity. I got that. I, I got you now. But what was funny when you were talking about rivers and they're talking about in the inner crust of the earth, the, like. They and, said jets. I'm not willing to okay, go to jets. rivers. I don't know. Wrong word. But all I can think about, because I'm such a visual thinker, all I can think about is that, that graph thing where it looks like a cutout of the earth that you always saw, like, and this is the core, and this is, and I'm like, well, where was that in my education? (laughs) Jets. They didn't put any jets in there. But I never thought about all the centrifugal force of everything spinning and, like, what that does to the goo on the inside, like, what's happening. The goo. Well, that's how I think about it. It works better that way. See, you're not so scientific either. (laughs) The goo. (laughs) Anyway. Jeez. <laughs> Segwaying out of that. Yeah. I don't even think that one deserves that. That's not why we're here. Everybody knows that's not why we're no, here. No, it for sure isn't because I know nothing. Because we are not so, geologists by so, any stretch. So, what, what are we? What are we all doing here in this collection of people? I think, in keeping with our current theme, we've been talking some about why people walk away from the faith or questions regarding faith that if they aren't properly answered or they're just given pat answers, that people will just 
wander away from the faith or, or take offense at something. Um, last week with Mike, we talked a little bit about um, different stances of the church that have been overly dogmatic in an area that is maybe not as dogmatic or right. clear as we think, you know, purity culture or stances on particular social ills that we don't fully understand, but we have a solution, you know, right, or something course, like that. Of course. And those can be hurtful to people depending on where you fall. And then people walk away and either deconstruct the whole thing or whatever. So one of the reasons, like, I've been wanting to bring Jess on the podcast for a while. Well, I should say one of the main reasons why I actually was like, I need to do this is because of the boys. I listened to the podcast with Jacob and Buddy. Oh, yes. Okay. Shout out to them. Who was, you were mentioning, yeah, we need to get our wives on here. And they're like, yeah, that'd be great. And I'm like, <laughs> people think this would be great? I should think about it more. But before so. we dive into today's topic, is there <laughs> anything you wanted to ask Jess on the podcast since we've been talking for a year no. and a half that we needed her input on? Oh, goodness. I can't remember. See, you're putting me on the spot now. It's okay. If you think of them, you're allowed to interrupt wherever okay. we're going and just like, I'll keep be like that in hey, mind. I need you to weigh in on I'll this. keep that in mind. Oh, no. Because you probably know Sheldon better than anyone. Oh, my. So if there's, yeah, or Jess, if there's something that we've been hammering away onto this podcast that you'd like to dispute a little bit, you're welcome to go ahead. I think, <laughs> I think the only thing that I've thought of multiple times is more like a, a collective where Sheldon will say, I've been thinking about this or this happened to me. And I'm thinking in the back of my head. Well, actually that's what I was thinking about. And that happened to me, but we've talked about it, and so we've walked <laughs> through it together. That's right. But it that, does we, happen. that that happens to husbands and wives. So you, you make yeah. some. You make some. Uh, what's the word I want to use? Yeah, you just draw from each other in that way. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. It's, it's a collective experience. experience. That's right. It's, it's, okay. That's very true. Yeah. That's very and sometimes true. I I would be covering you by not I, saying it was you. Hundred percent. You know, 100%. I'll just own the stupidity, and it'll be no, fine. I let my wife own everything that she says. <laughs> I, I do not want to be responsible or blamed for any of that, for good or for bad. It's mostly good, but I, I would just rather not. I will let her stand on her own. I think it's one of those things that when you're at a dinner party and a couple is telling a story, and one of them is like, and this is how it was, and then the wife or the husband interjects, and they're like, no, no, honey, you remember, it was this or that or the other. It's oh, just yes. mainly things like those that. Things, so. yeah. Yes. But That's I can't think of any specific. podcast. Of course. That wasn't quite right that way. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. That's how I remember it. That's what I remember. Yeah. Oh, man. So so where are we kind of going? We're, we're going back to some of this stuff related to the church. Yeah. So specifically. So, um, Jess, you were listening to a podcast that really kind of sparked something in you. And it took you on a journey back through the last couple of years. So tell us what that was. And then we'll go back and then bring it forward. How's so there sound? was two things that I listened to that I feel like have been pretty instrumental. One is 30 Minutes with the Perrys mm. is a podcast. And it's Jackie Hill Perry and her husband Preston. And mm. shout out to them because they don't know me, but I listen to their podcast. Um, and I really, I love their perspective. I think there are obviously some things that I'm like, ah, I don't really get on board with everything, but that's okay. Their hearts are really good and I like it. Yeah. So they were talking about, they have a, a podcast that I shared on my Facebook page called Church Hurt. And they were sharing their own personal experiences of what Preston went through with the church and then what Jackie went through with the church. And they were very different and different than they th I thought they would be, knowing a little bit about their personal histories. Um, and so 
in that podcast, Preston said something that I really had to mull over because I'm like, is this true? And he was talking about how a lot of times people attribute what they call church hurt, like that they've been hurt by these people. Yeah. Is actually an underneath the surface time where you felt like God let you down or he disappointed mm. you in some way. And they, they need a place to make that land. And he didn't qualify this way, but I am. And, and so that's kind of how it comes out. It's like, well, I've just been hurt by the church when really it could be circumstances in your life or something where you really were counting on God to come through. And he either didn't come through the way you thought he was going to, or it didn't happen or your expectations were, were, you know, circumvented. And, and I was really thinking about that. Um, the other thing I was listening to was a huge, long YouTube video of Brooke Ligerwood talking about the church and how much God truly loves his church. Yeah. And how that if we want to call on God and, and in this day and age where it is a time where people are feeling like they need to pull apart and, and get away from, from the, quote, the institution and the, the hard work where some of the nuts and bolts of the church is like, that's messy and unnecessary. And why do we put so much effort into some of these things? Can't we just do this Christ-like community thing and, and not have to do all the structure? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When, when, you know, getting up early or putting in time with kids or getting your own family out the door without bickering are all really hard things. Yeah. And she was calling everybody like, look, like it's still a time to gather together because God is still concerned with his church and Jesus still loves his church. Yeah. And this is still what he's building. And so I think that was kind of in my mind. And then you guys talking about deconstruction and um, some things that came across on Instagram where people were sharing their own stories of what the church has done to them. And so, yeah, that's a long entry. But Well, and it's, it's interesting because I, I've been thinking about this ever since we did this uh, with Mike. Well, so for the last week, <laughs> I've been thinking about this specifically, you know, in, in relation to my experience with church hurt. And I feel like it's been unusual in that being in a pastor's home, it's not like I was going to pick up and leave. Right? Yeah. Like, as a kid, like, there wasn't, like, this option of getting hurt and being gone. It was like, if something was up, you just dealt with it. And, and I've always viewed the church, whatever church, local body I was a part of, as in the same way that I view my family. Like, they're still family. Like yeah. it's not something you just get to leave. It, that's just been instilled in me. But it's also interesting because I I really could, I would really say that I have had no church hurt experience until the last eight years um, was was the first time I really went through something like that. And I was on staff. Like I literally wasn't going anywhere. Like yeah. it wasn't yeah. like so. So I feel like my relationship to church hurt has been different because. I've always been a, to some extent, an extension of a staff member. I've always been the pastor's kid. I've always been, I've never mm. just been a person being a part of, volunteering in, trying to get involved in the church. I'm, yeah. I'm part of making it happen You've been for stuck. as long as I remember. Yeah. For good, uh, yes. for good, for good in, yes. in, my, in yes. my mind. I mean, it's been a positive for me. But still without, <clears throat> there was no out. Right. And so for me, this is a, in, in a lot of ways, even though I have had some, some issues in the church and some church hurt experiences. I don't feel like I have a good window into what this is actually like because I've just never had mm. the opportunity. Yeah. I've never been in a place to actually deal uh, in this way uh, with, yeah. and process hurt in this way. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about a little bit is how 
when you were talking the last podcast, this person will come to you and say, the church did this and the church did that. And you're like, that was not your experience. Yeah. Like that, you're taking that from somebody else. What, Jess, when you tell your story a little bit about church hurt and how you, it wasn't your experience. Like what happened to you here, like in our current context felt hurtful to you, but it wasn't actually hurtful. And we'll get into why that is and how you could perceive it that way, yeah. even though it wasn't. And it was just the way. So I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything, but can you kind of take us back um, to what I had alluded to some last week? We came out of a hurtful church yeah. situation. Well, and, and we, then we were talking in the forward. car. Um, so when Sheldon was a little bit of a youth pastor, worship leader, dude. Um, and we were dating, I was at Bible college and, but then I came home mm. and we got engaged and I felt like I needed to step into going to church with him, even though that was a 45 to hour drive for me. Yeah. Um, and so I would get up early and it was actually one, it was a good time for me. It was investing in a small place in something that needed people and, and coming alongside the person I was going to marry. That was, you know, Nice. It was cute. We were cute. <laughs> yeah. We were little babies. Anyway. She helped me out on the worship team and stuff. And I was only leading worship because I was like, I cannot worship in the current atmosphere that's here. <laughs> like, somebody's that's, got to do that, something. That is a beautiful solution that I love so much. Yeah, so it was true. I actually picked up a guitar and started learning it. Like, I'd learned it enough to know. And so the. Songs that were not in the key that I could play <laughs> became in the key that I could play. Oddly enough, and, I did not know this about you. That's, that's and interesting. I just led from the heart, and I led a team. Uh, my sister was on the piano, so she could actually change chords for me if like, I couldn't yeah. play certain chords on that's the guitar. Right. So I'm like, just put it in a key that I can sing and play. Let's go. <laughs> and so that's what we did. Like And... We worshipped. It was a small church. We worshipped loud. We we had a good time. We weren't necessarily on pitch or on tune, but we no. had a good time. But yeah. the heart was there, and yeah. I'm like, this I can worship in. Yeah. Like, if somebody led like this, I could worship. And so that's just what I was doing. Yeah. So we jumped in. I jumped in with him. And in the meantime, so after church, because I lived far away, I didn't go home right away. I would either go to his parents' house and hang out with his family, or if they had something going on, um, I a lot of times found myself in At our pastor's, pastor's house. house. Yeah. Hmm. And I don't remember how exactly that started, if he was busy on Sunday afternoons or honestly, but it became a thing where the running joke was when we got married because that is a pastor who married us. He was like, well, one thing about Sheldon, he won't go hungry because <laughs> your new wife can look in the fridge and find anything to throw a meal together. <laughs> and it's true. Like I would go, I cooked for them. They cooked for me. Like this wasn't like... We were just acquaintances. We were in this church, and we loved each and, other. And being the first time in ministry, for me, like, it was the first time leading from the front in almost anything. So we met on a regular basis, just me and him. And yeah. he was mentoring me. I still, to this day, there's a number of things that he taught me that just stick in the back of my head that were very good, very solid, great ministry advice stuff, and also some of the stuff that he would just pull out of his head, for examples, were fantastic yeah. for sermons and stuff. So I still I still consider him a, a great friend and a real mentor. So everything she's telling you, like for me, that connection with him was real. For her, she connected with the family in a right. way that it was, was so cool. good. It was yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, 
I don't feel like we should get into a whole lot of detail. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. It's irrelevant either, at this either point. Either way, it all, it all ended pretty badly in a span of about two years. And yes, from the time you started, but from the time I stepped in, it was probably a year. Maybe a little more. Um, yeah, right, right about that. And there. so it ended up, it got very personal. Yeah. That was the thing for me. Um, lots of things were going on behind the scenes. We were young. But that was actually one of the things that they picked on us for, mm. is you're young and newly married. They never said immature, but we would call ourselves that. Yeah. Looking back um, now, we were young. We were immature. We were fairly idealistic. So I don't, I, even some of the stories still from our perspective, and I don't know how somebody who's gone to church in that situation for like 40 years yeah. would have perceived what we were doing. Totally. So I'm not passing but judgment. But at the same time, it wasn't a healthy situation. Right. There was, was high not. levels of dysfunction Yeah. Um, within how everything was working together and within knowing who was in charge of what things. And it was just a mess. Yeah. So fast forward, we got married. We're still there. We had some really good community outreaches that happened. We had some things where the community saw our love for them and it was amazing. And, but it wasn't coming from the right places. It wasn't done by the right people. And there was power struggles and there was whatever. Yeah. Um, so we're six months into being married and we're being called immature. We're being called, uh, too young. We're to being told that our advice we were giving to teens wasn't right. Yeah. And in fact, it was, there was nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Um, and it was more of a personal thing. It became a personal attack really. Yeah. Um, so six months into being married, well, three months into being married, I'm out. Yeah. I can see through the situation. I can see that these people are never going to do what we would expect to do, and that's fine, but I'm out. I'm yeah. ready to leave. He, on she the other hand... She basically told me I'm not going to church anymore. Yeah. It wasn't that I wasn't going to go to any church. Not, I wasn't going to, to go one. to that church. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, no, you for sure are going to church. <laughs> and he basically drugged me for three months. But my thing was, I'm, I tend, he's the idealist. I am more of a realist. And so for me, if I can't see where the end is going to go and where this is going to turn out well, yeah. I can't see people changing their minds. I can't see them behaving in ways that I could get behind. Yeah. And I personally feel like I'm being attacked. Why am point? I still right, here? Right. And he, on the other hand, is like, well, we just need to have another meeting. We just need to have more talk. And I'm like, literally, you've been talking. And when they turn from the room, it all everything, goes south. Yes. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, if you're not, I am also, he will say, I think he would say, I have a high level of integrity. I think. Yes. Just I'm not, as you're black and white. If there's a rule to follow, that's the rule. Unless it's really stupid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I have a little rebellion in me, but as far as like how things are black and white with Jesus, black and white with right and wrong, yeah. it is. It is. It's black and white, and you do it. You do the right thing. And so for me, people that were talking one talk and doing another thing, I've got no time for that. Yeah. If you... I will say, I will have mercy for anyone who comes to me and says, man, this is a terrible situation and, and, and they're repentant. I have a hundred percent over and over and over mercy, but the person who comes and doesn't want to admit anything, doesn't want to correct or is two faced that way. I, especially back then with take 15 years off of my life, which I'm not that old, but you take 15 (laughs) years off. I had less time for it. It was like, I am passionate about Jesus. I'm passionate about reaching people. And I want to go to where we can do that. Yeah. Cause all of this is tiresome and I'm being attacked and he's being attacked, which makes the 
before I was a mama bear makes the mama bear come out. Oh yeah, totally. Because this is my new husband. We've been married for three months. Yeah. And, um, so he drug me to church every Sunday and I remember being so furious. I was furious (laughs) every Sunday on the way. I was furious every Sunday on the way out. And there were some beautiful people who were caught as bystanders always. There always is. And, um, so it ended up towards the end. He finally saw no more talk. It's really not going to work. Yeah. We went to, and like he said last week, we went to some people who advised us, look, if you don't have the backing of your leaders, it's not going to, you can't change it. Right. And he finally gave up. And I remember, I remember the one conversation, him being like, this is the group that I built. We had, what did we have? Three or five teens who were born into that church, maybe only three or four. And at that point, we were up to 13 to 15, and most of them were community kids, yeah. kids whose parents didn't go to church, whose grandparents didn't go to church, and they were there. Yeah. And we were making a difference, and, and, and he in was a making a difference. year and a half to grow it that quickly, and because it was my focus, my focus was like, let's do that. Let's get right. as many kids to be a part of this as possible. And I'm like, I'm finally getting a little bit of traction here. And it wasn't so much that I built it, but I am like, okay... I did bring these kids here. There's a like, sense of responsibility I'm, for I'm it. I'm the like one what who happens, brought them here. Yeah. What happens if, to what's if happening I, here? If I brought them here and I just walk away, <coughs> that's yeah. not going to be good for anyone. Right. And that's why I was sticking it out as long totally. as I did. And he also was worried like they were going to become shrapnel of a blow up. Yeah. And eventually that's kind of what happened. I mean, right. it, I mean technically... I was a volunteer. I'm not responsible for right. that. Yeah, he was unpaid. Right. That, I mean, that's beside the point, but yeah. it's true. Right. Um, and so we ended up walking away from there. I felt a sense of relief because it was like, I I told him at that point, because I remember having a conversation where you were like, but what about this this that I've built? And I remember very distinctly telling you something about but you haven't actually built it. Yeah. Like this yeah. is God's church. This is God's group. These are God's kids. And I can say, I mean, knowing some of their situations, I don't know a lot of them anymore, but I think there was something really good that was happening in their yeah. lives right there. And I don't know that that's been replaced. Right. And that's really sad. For some of them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. so anyway, six months that was three to six months of our first marriage. Our first marriage. Our marriage. <laughs> yeah, my first wife was a real trip. <laughs> and, um, and then we ended up leaving and becoming floaters for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I, I'm curious, and I'm just going to kind of act interviewer here no, since fine. this was. So, so tell me a little bit specifically about the floating experience. Because, again, I know both of you come from, you know, you're both very loyal. You're both very committed. Like, right. you're, you're about long term. Like, that's been your family experience, like all of that stuff. Yeah. So, going from committed in a church, a part of a church, active in a church, even up front in a church, yeah. to. Okay, now we just gotta find some place. Like, what was that experience like? I have no window on this whatsoever. Because like, you've never done it. Never done it. The, yeah. the closest I've come is my parents telling me, "Hey, we're leaving Coshocton and we're moving to Worcester." One of one of the very that was it unique <laughs> opportunities that we had among this. We were partnering with a local Christian coffee shop that was doing some fundraising, so we were involved there. Okay, and so they're like. Hey, you guys are going around to, you don't have a church home right now anyway. We need somebody to go into these churches and raise funds. So some of these churches knew we were coming yeah. to come and give like a less yeah, than five I set them minute, all up. L- less than five minute presentation. Okay. We come in, 
just say who we are and like kind of give a pitch for the coffee shop and then we sit there and we enjoy the service and then we had a little board at the back of course like old school like you know science fair kind of board with pictures this is what it is and they talked to us afterwards okay anyway so we were like spokespeople for that so mixed in with our church hunt was being able to do that so it got us into all kinds of churches that we may not have visited if we were just like okay we're going to visit here thinking that we'll go here so we would end up in denominations that I weren't even on my list yeah. of people that I'm like, nope, I, I know already I'm not going to fit into this group, but yet we were there. And so it was cool because we did, we did actually put our feet in the door of a lot of very unique and different churches all over like the, the Downton area and all through even in just some, right immediate um, towns. Immediate like we town. And then we kept going further out from our circle of where we were. Cause I'm like, I don't want to drive any more than 20 minutes to church. So like at first it was all the local churches. Oh, we yeah. went to all the very local churches, all the tiny ones and the ones with all the old people. But what's, what's <laughs> so funny glass. is we were, we were about 21, almost 22. And so we're coming into these churches and we're young and, <laughs> but we know church, we know how yeah. to do church. Right. So these people, in these churches, especially remember one, we sat there and they had hymnals and we sang and we hit all the notes because we can sight read music because we grew up Mennonite. Right, we right. can sing hymnals. We can sing four-part harmony. We got you. And these these little ladies in front of us like turned around and basically like, where did you guys come from? Well, and that was, like, that was the thing that was so we funny. Just, we were honestly just visiting. We didn't have any reason to be in that church yeah. except... I was just like, they are in our local town. We owe them like at a least visit. one owe visit. Them a glance. Yeah. We owe them the chance. So the we other... went in there and I'm like, oh, this is certainly not for us. But <laughs> 100% we went through not. the whole thing and and we were just good, you know, we did we did the whole thing, played like, okay, if we were going here, how would we do it? And yeah. just like went through it like they would go through it. And I'm like, well, this isn't happening again. But the old ladies in front of us were just like thought we were the greatest yes. thing like where did you come from and, where and, do you and that live? was the and thing like, that the smaller the church the more you were a curiosity yeah i will say that like every time you walk into a bigger church it's like oh well there's some people over there i don't know maybe i've seen them before yeah you walk in the small church where they know every head and every hair oh yeah it's like are you gonna come here every yeah. week are you are you here for us like are you coming yeah oh, well and you word. remember like i don't know if you guys this but our denomination used to have the, these little uh, stick-on little roses that people oh, could no. put on their lapels if they were guests. What? what? Oh yeah, this was the <laughs> thing. We never—I don't think we ever did it at Worcester. At least by the time we got here, I don't think it was a thing. But yeah, literally, it was just this little sticky back thing, and you know, if an usher, oh, you're new here, okay, we'll put that on, and it was like this marker, so everybody knew. It's like the scarlet letter, <laughs> only it's a rose. Yeah, except it was seen as a positive. Oh, we want to make sure we. Actually, you know, engage with you. Oh whatever. man, I, it was. It oh, I was, wouldn't want to put that. Yeah, on. it was a terror. I found a bunch of them when I was after we stopped Fre- using them, and I started sticking them on all kinds of random things when I was a kid. So. <laughs> Friends of ours, they were visiting a church in the area where they were like, "If every, if anyone's new here, please stand up so that we can greet you." And he's like gripping his wife's hand, like, "Stay Do sitting, not stay stand sit- up. under yeah. no circumstances, stand up." And then those that stood, everybody would walk by and yeah. like greet them. Oh. No. oh well, My I, goodness. I think the other experience that but I... But there was, there was, are you, are you going to tell the one about how they ran? 
Yes. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, the other very memorable one is this, this church, and it looks fine. People look <laughs> fine. And we walk in. And the pastor... And- had I had heard of him, and he w- he is a very good man. He's a genuine dude. Like yeah. he was fine. His his sermon was good. Like I think the only thing I was very surprised by is I think it's a it's an every week communion service, and they're passing things out, and I tasted something that I had never had in communion before. <laughs> Jess and was, I was like, like, "Oh, this is wine." She says as she hands it to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So there was that, but also, so we uh, got up there. She made the awesome face, just like I'm was sure. expecting Welch's and got a, <laughs> something entirely different. Um, so we did our little spiel about the coffee shop because that's why we were there. Right. Like I had called ahead to a whole bunch of places and they were one of them that were like, sure, come and talk. So we, it wasn't very long. And uh, normally at a lot of these places, Afterwards, people come up to our little board and they right. would say hi, and we would talk about the coffee shop. I've never seen a stampede like happened. For the the door. church like. ended, and the the pastor he sprinted to the back of the church to make it to the door to greet the people on their way out. Like, like I was this during st- football season or something. I don't know, but I stood up and I talked to the guy behind me who seemed like he didn't really want to talk to me, no. and I turned around to talk to someone else. They're gone, and I'm like. We're like the only people left in this building. Like, I'm a lingerer. Yeah. Back, and back before I had kids, I was much more of a church lingerer. Now that I have kids, it's like, okay, all right, we're let's get to lunch. Uh, these kids are just, <laughs> they're going to pull this entire church down <laughs> off its walls if I don't somehow get them out of the building. But they but, were uh, all gone. The people, all gone. They yeah. fled. Like, we probably talked to the pastor longer. And you felt like if you would have hugged somebody, you were holding them prisoner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You would have gotten weirded out real fast. So that was, I remember my, my was dad was one. super weirded out when we first came to the NAS, and your dad would, like, go around and hug everybody. Still and my does. dad's kind of like, Who I hope guy? he doesn't hug me. And he would get hugged, and he's just like, <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm just not sure I'm about this. Your dad. Now got, my dad is hugging everybody. I got such a kick out of it this morning. He went by. I, I had seen him earlier in the day and said hi to him, you know, greeted him. And... Uh, and I was talking to somebody else at the back of the sanctuary then. Uh, I don't know if it was between services or right before first service. And he walked by and, you know, hugged this person, said hi to him. And then he kind of just dismissively as he went, like, oh, yeah, I already said hi to you. It just kept moving. And I was like, that made me so happy. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. That, that pleased me. That pleased me for sure. Who's losing? Oh, no, it was a message from one of my youth oh, kids. Oh, okay. It's all good. Okay. Anyway. The Niners won today. <laughs> the Browns oh, did not word. win. <laughs> the Browns got their butts handed Actually, to Actually, I... The Browns didn't even lose. They, oh my! How do you? How do a, you? A Browns how fan do you this actively? Week. How do you actively sabotage yourself? Because that's <laughs> what they did today. Like, what would you call that? Well, so the, I've heard that you have to beat three people. You have to beat your opponent. You have to beat the refs, and you have to beat yourselves. The problem is the Browns just beat themselves repeatedly. Although the refs had some issues too for a couple of things, yeah. but not enough. Like not comparatively. <laughs> and and Tennessee was here's, out for blood. Here's the interesting thing about this Browns game. My soundbar that I have has great surround sound. Yes. You didn't want that today. Like, I had great surround sound, and you it was picking up the ambient noise of the crowd and people just screaming obscenities yeah. at the officials. It was not it happening. Was, How did we get here? It was unreal. Because he had oh. football things on there. Something anyway, popped up on my We're moving on. We're moving on. Sorry. We've moved on. It's already over. Anyway. Just like that. So, so yeah, we explored a bunch of churches. I think one thing I'd like to say, going back to the personality conflicts and the things from before... 
one of the things that I was able to separate, and I think Sheldon was it too, it drew us together. It was hard, but we really did. It cemented our new marriage in a way when that nothing else When she says it was hard... A lot of our friends have gone through the seven-year thing where about seven years into your marriage, you feel like this marriage might not last, and yeah. you go through a really tough time. We did not hit that because of how chaotic our first year was. Mm. I don't, I've ha- since then, I may have thrown an object in anger once. I remember a couple times <laughs> in the first year where I threw something. One time I broke it, and then I felt bad about it. But still mad enough to not replace it for a while. <laughs> and, and like It was hard. I, there was a number of times where we both did things that we weren't proud of just because we're learning how to relate to each other as right. much as we are like trying to... And everything as far as church was unsettled. Right, totally. And that was a lot of what we were basing our new life on. Yeah. I had a part-time job. He had a job. but Well, and, and I was dealing also, and this will come up a little later, but I was dealing with a very specific and clear call to ministry. Yeah. So I have a very specific and clear call to ministry, and looking at my local church as the place where that's going to be fulfilled, totally. right? And like, it was. I'm here, I'm committed, and I'm, I should be ministering, right? Mm. And to walk away from that was... Horrible. Even though what Jess is saying is we didn't walk away from God, we we were able to separate walking away from a specific building and people yeah. and moving into another one and taking God with us. Right. And God, we had to hold on to Him. God right. being intrinsically linked <coughs> to our relationship and us coming out in a good place. Yeah. So we were trying to draw near to Him regardless. Right. Because Which is it wasn't not everyone's it wasn't that we didn't see him moving and it wasn't that we didn't see him affecting us and the people that we were with. Yeah. It was just there was a mess. And one of the things that we're finding out now is Jess may also have a call to ministry and we're she's in the process of discerning that as well. But um that's why she was jumping into ministry there too and felt a lot of this so strongly. Fast forward to like age 26, 27 and I'm at the Nazarene church. And I'm still dealing with a call to ministry, but you guys have all, I say you guys, cause it is my church, but how I was thinking at the time, yeah. like you guys have all these paid positions. You're not hiring. These people are not at the age that they're going to retire. And I don't feel like I'm any better than any of them. So there's no room for me here to be a pastor. There's no there's no opening and no perceived opening. It's not like I can wait around for something right. to happen. And I got really frustrated with the Lord and very angry. Like, you gave, why would you give me a call and no place to go with yeah. it? I'm yeah. not leaving these people because I know how hard it is to find a good, life-giving church where I can worship freely, where I, I finally learned to trust the leadership and, and trust that they have good hearts here. And, and I love what we're doing. So I'm not leaving this place, but how in the world am I supposed to fulfill yeah. anything close to, to what the call is? And so I started looking at online school at different places. And I just felt the door, the Lord clearly saying, no, yeah. this is not for you. Stop Stop going down this trail. So I would pursue another avenue and like, maybe if I just get my bachelor's in religion or whatever, like get some degree. And the Lord was like, no. And, and, every time and very specifically, would... I like got to the one passage in, in uh, when, when Peter and, and John heal the blind man. 
or not the blind man, the, the crippled guy outside the temple. Yeah. And it says people around them took note that these were uneducated man, men, but that they had been with, with Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. And the Lord said, listen, it's more important that you've been with me than it is that you are an educated man. Yeah. You can, you can heal a crippled man without having any type of school at all <laughs> if you pay attention to what I'm yeah. doing. And yeah. I'm like, okay, fine. But then I kind of <laughs> took that as a mandate, like, I don't need to go to school. Right. And so, like, for that period of time, it was good enough to keep me away from wasting my time on school that my denomination was never going to recognize. Right. Now, now Not I only know, that, but we were rubbing pennies together and had Elena by that point right. when he was looking into school. We had no money to do this. But <laughs> it was one of those things that we would go through these cycles of, we found, we came to Worcester Church of the Nazarene. And we really felt like it was home. There was one other church that we desperately love and still love. Yeah. Um, but it was a little further away, and we didn't feel like that's where we were supposed to land. And so we ended up where we are, felt like it was home, and he would go through these cycles of sticking it out, doing well at his job. And, and he was working under lots of different manager situations within My, job during situations. That, during the last... Yeah, during that period of time, I changed managers three or four times and worked in four different uh, parts of the company yeah. doing different things. So and, every time it, we'd have a move. And, I, and I, the youth pastor that I was serving under at the church changed twice during that time. So like... A lot yeah. of upheaval. And my ability to mesh with the per different personalities over me yeah. was almost impossible some of the time. Not, not yeah. just at church, but like, I, I wouldn't say, I would say church less than at work where it was like, these personalities are tough to follow. Yeah. And, and I had to choose continually to be honoring to them and to work hard and diligently regardless of who I was serving under Yeah. yeah. and to not go around and disparage them. And, to this day, I'm grateful that I did not because most of them are some of my closer friends and advisors and stuff because I'm yeah. like, I can still draw wisdom from a lot of them. And had and I good people and, like, and had I immaturely really just been like, I can't deal with this. I yeah. can't follow you. You're just doing this to hurt me. And I don't understand you. And, blah, blah, you know, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Of I know I have real. a call. I the Lord has not given a way forward. I don't have anything to do with it. We don't have the money to pursue anything. Yeah. And I still have a call. And I think I was listening to um, Banning, and I never say his name, his last name. Leapshire? Yes. There you go, Leapshire. And uh, he was talking about how when he was young, he would think about calls and, and burdens that the Lord would put on your life as like, you know, the number of singletary years that it would take to get there. Yeah. And now that he's in his 40s, he's like, now I'm at the point where I'm seeing dreams of God that are taking decades to come about. Yeah. And I, at the time, was like, decades? Yeah. What are we saying? <laughs> I mean, but we were so young and, and, and idealistic, and we were passion-filled as we should have been. Um, and he would go through these cycles of, of me encouraging him, like, no, like, God still has a plan. We're going to be fine. But we were still, he was doing hard work at work in church ministry, in all these places without right. any breakthrough for right. a long, long time. So I think I should fast forward a little bit to yes. to our, the more current situation because right. I feel like my situation mirrors a lot what he went through on that end. Yeah. In the last couple of years, um, I definitely feel a call to, to lead worship and to and for that 
that's always been there. And I didn't see it always being there until I got a little bit older and it was like, wow, this has really always been here. I remember yeah. writing a song at like eight years old on a, sitting on a milk bucket in our <laughs> barn. And I, th- I found that paper. That's why I, I still have it somewhere where it was like, I wrote a little Jesus song way back then. And yeah. I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but there was a time, was it three years now? something like two and a half, three years ago, I felt like after eight years of serving on the worship team and being in choir and being a mic singer that I needed to step back from that. Right. I felt very distinctly on a Wednesday, the Lord told me, look, like you need to go to them on Sunday and tell them you're, you're stepping out for a season. And it felt well, exactly the same. And leading up to that, you had been frustrated a number of times because you would express to them like, hey, I feel a call to a little bit more than what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And then like you just felt like nobody was doing anything with it and you would mm-hmm. go through these cycles of being frustrated. And I don't think anybody understands what I'm saying when I say I have a call well, to lead worship and, and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then she'd be frustrated. I'm like, you just need to quit. <laughs> just quit doing this. Why would you put yourself through the cycle of this just worship on your own, and if somebody wants you to lead somewhere else, you can do it. Obviously, yeah. they're fine. Just just quit and sit with me and worship with me in the congregation because I miss having you here. But until Jesus told me I had to, I wasn't going to. Well, yeah. this, is, this is one of the interesting things because I feel like this gives a bit of perspective on what typically happens in especially staff-related church hurt situations. But you were talking, Because yeah. for me, I had no clue of the backstory of all of this. But, like, yeah. no clue at but all. what like, you were talking about earlier, how you've never <coughs> had to be a volunteer and try right. to get onto a team and right. that type of thing. This is exactly what that was. Right, for sure. You know, where... But, but additional, additional to that, there's, there were several things that were happening... Oh, yeah. ...very oh, significant yeah. behind the scenes at the time that had nothing to do... Yeah. ...but that were distracting from everything that we were trying to do, especially yeah. related to, to what was going on with you at the time. But for me... I'm coming into this completely clueless. I was shocked when you came to me that day and said you were going to step out. I was like, where's she going? Yeah. Like why? <laughs> like what, what has happened here? Because we would have conversations, we would have meetings yeah. and we both in the moment would have said everything we wanted to yeah. say. And then I think we would walk away and I would be thinking like, okay, I'm not really sure what this meant, but I think it's okay. And I'm sure you went away saying, oh, I actually should have said this or when I wanted like, to say this. I... and. Like, what will happen now? I think yeah. that was my question was yeah. like, and for, what will happen now? For those now? of you listening, I don't think we totally clarified. Nate leads the worship ministries at our church. He is the worship pastor. Yeah. And Jess was trying to come on to his team. Yeah. And, and, and it she was, was on the team. And, and, was, what, and what was essentially happening is we were trying to do some things with Jess that we did not have any framework for. Yeah. Right. Like, we literally did not know what and, we were and doing. And I remember telling her, I don't think these people have a plan on how to train anybody yeah. that, that is be, a worship leader. You sound so rude right now. I, I <laughs> we know, love But them. it was true. But it was true. Like, <laughs> you were you were kind of the guinea pig of what we were trying to do because everybody who had been involved... But did I not? Did I or did I not did. say something along those lines? You did. I just wouldn't have said it. Every, everybody who had been involved at that point were people who were already kind of they weren't looking to be mentored or to be given place yeah. and space. It was just like, I'm just going to do the thing that I do. Yeah. You were coming from a perspective, I want to do the thing that I do and I want to get better. We didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and to give some history to that, I had always been a singer, but I had always tried to be a choral singer right. because I was a choir trained singer. And I can't. I got I got nothing for, for being like in Broadway shows. Yeah. And I always thought 
I didn't have what it takes. And yeah. I, so all that to say. So she was disqualifying herself I in some ways too. I absolutely was disqualifying myself. So <laughs> if if she would have come to the impetus of like actually doing something, she would have disqualified herself rather than acting. I would have anyway. burnt out. So I should go back to where I was. Yeah. The Lord told me to to step down, and I was. I had never, because I've been in choir since third grade. Yeah. I'd been, I'd been writing a song since I was eight. Like that's just what I did. Yeah. And so for me, I found myself in the same place of Sheldon, where it's like I see no way forward. I still feel a call to this. I still feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. But not only do I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, I all of a sudden felt very convicted by how much my identity mm-hmm. and my and my church quote occupation like the job that i had been given which is singing music learning to lead worship was so intrinsically put together in my yeah. own mind that i didn't know who i was anymore yeah and i remember sitting in apart my apart from what you did apart from what i did yeah. and that's i feel like that's something that so many people deal with especially coming from a a very hardworking family growing up on a farm like we were hardworking family yeah. that's what we were known by and so and that's not bad, but right. I can't, it can't you, be who I am. Who you are for the Lord is not about what you do for the Lord. Right. Yeah. But and, I didn't, I, and I didn't even recognize that that's what I was thinking right. until yeah. I had to lay it down. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the backyard and it's sunny and my kids had gone back to school and I was listening to Mike Bickle talk about the house of prayer and, um, and he was talking about, they had an anniversary, like the 20 year anniversary of the house of prayer. And some people came up to him and they said, aren't you so excited? Like your dream, your dream of God is coming true. Like you can see it happen. It's been, you've been faithful and here it is. Right. And he said very clearly, oh, this isn't my dream. Yeah. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's <laughs> like, my dream, he's like, my dream of God is to love the Lord, my God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. Yeah. He's like, if, if the, if the house of prayer was my was was my heart of hearts like the thing that I was after the most? I would worry about it. I'd stay yeah. up at night about it. I would I would focus on that. He's like, I can't make that my focus. And I remember sitting there just bawling, wailing, because I'm like, this is what I've been doing, yeah. and feeling very convicted about it. I mean, in the meantime, I was doing hard work. I went, I took voice lessons because I'm like, I need to get my confidence up. Like, yeah. I know that I have a call to this, but I haven't put in the hard work, and um. It was really, really good for me. So. Well, and one of the odd things about all of this is that the four of us, so me and, and, and Kayla and you got like, we were friends. Absolutely. Like, this wasn't just a, hey, you were just somebody who was a part of my ministry. Like, we were friends, and then this was a thing. Like, yeah. this was this was a whole, and it was oddly separated. Like, we would still hang out. And none of this would ever come no. up, and we'd but have good you, times. You and have an ability to separate your work <laughs> and what you do yeah, from your personal life, Very which true. not everybody is Very able true. to do. Um, and, and, and I think that comes from being a pastor's kid, and you're able to leave church things at church and continue on about your right. life. And, that, right. and, and for us, we, are able to, we, we develop those skills as well right. in order to survive sometimes, right. but it, it became a healthy thing where right. we could leave, okay, Regardless of where she's at on the team, that should not affect right. you no, know, and, and us hanging out. Where, where that's not true for everyone. Not true for and, everyone. And what no. she's saying here, if, imagine if you were a single person going through this without a supportive husband who's saying, 
we're still going to stay connected to this church or kids that are connected yeah. to the church. And kids who love and, the church. And the amount of misunderstanding that she's putting forth here, and we're going to even uncover a little bit more of that, but the, the layers of misunderstanding and how we're talking about it from a place of victory yeah. where yeah. we remain friends the whole time, me and you uh, and Kayla and her. And the podcast like, was ironically, not ironically, a big part of that too. Yeah. 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 And so... And so, like, all of this is going on, and yet th- there's layers of misunderstanding behind all of it in this one area. Yeah. And, which and would be enough was, to take somebody out. There was parts of that situation that would send me mentally back to our old one, right. where we were being called right. unqualified. Right. And, and in hindsight, there are, had I known all the history, there were many things that I would never have said to you. <laughs> Had I known what what Isn't you had come true from, of most things. But it's though. true. Like I, I, and I'm not saying that anything that I would have said was insensitive in and of itself. But considering the situation, was completely so. But at the same time, <coughs> I won't get to that yet. So okay. there was a, um, there was a song that came out. I am no victim. Yes, Christine, Christine DeMarco's DeMarco. album yeah, yeah, came yeah. out, and I saw the song title. And felt something stir within my heart. I'm like, I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> like, I don't want to listen to that. Because I knew. There was something in me that knew. And I've gone through inner healing. Like, I have dealt with stuff. I remember years ago, one of the, the other things that that has been a, a true thing for my life, probably eight years ago, I remember being in the car and recognizing that the lies which we believe change how we see situations. Hmm. And if the, if the truth will set us free, I remember praying, Lord, you know what? I want you so much and I want you in my life so much that I, I prayed very distinctly, bring truth to literally every lie yeah. that I am believing in my heart and in my mind. And that was a lynch, like that was a, a, a pin that like when I pulled it out, that was something that brought about a lot of change yeah. over the course of my life. So that, but that's still been a theme. So I remember seeing that song and being like, I don't want to listen to that <laughs> because I knew that it was going to be a thing. And so the one day, again, the kids are at school. I'm in that same season. I get up in the morning, I get them to school, but then it's quiet. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I play that song and I cried the whole song. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> and I felt like the Lord was asking me to sing along with it, like to look up the words to actually sing with the song. It took four times yeah, before I could even <clears throat> mumble cry anything that resembled <laughs> that song. And if you listen, just if you go look up the words, it's awesome. But, you know, anyway, it did, it was, it was, it was exposing in me um, the things that I was believing. And that same, over that same time, it had been a couple months by this point because I was off the team for, I think, it, oh, almost a whole year until I came back. I would back. say at least Yeah, I, It was like summer to summer t- at yeah. least. Um, but it was in that first like six months, around that six-month mark, I remember the Lord telling me there was one particular Sunday. I had a rough Sunday. My husband got on me about it, and there was some comments made by Nate about yes. it. And By a rough Sunday, you cried on stage. Or it you was look bad. sad. You look but sad it was, on stage. It, there and was then so you much. There was a lot yeah. going on. Yeah. 
Anyway, I wouldn't do it again. I'd probably just put my mic down and leave. I'll just say that. It's a lesson I learned. It was a good one, kind of. Anyway, I was no. like, you were really having a moment no, up there. No, you, you were upset with me, but that's yeah. a whole other thing. That's because true. You, because you refined me just like other people refined me, and I just didn't want it at the moment from you or anybody else. I reprimanded you. Yes, reprimanded. Jess used to have a oh, hearing stop. disability when she was younger, so she would hear the word reprimanded as reprimanded. Totally. And yeah. so then she'd be like, he you were just my- reprimanding me. And I'm like, you mean <laughs> reprimand? <laughs> oh, my. Anyway, she's corrected that. Yes. <laughs> he likes to point out all of the things that are like that in, <laughs> my, in my words, in my brain. Anyway, so the Lord brought me back to that moment of yeah. walking off the stage and talking to you. And he, he very distinctly told me, like, you at that moment gave in to the lie that Nate gave up on you. Yeah. And at first I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and then I realized as I thought back through the situation, as I, cause I had journals where I would, I don't journal because I want anybody to go back and read it or that I even go back and read it. But I do journal when I know that the, some of the things that are going to come out are not healthy and I don't want anybody to hear it, yeah. but I need to get it out. And so totally. I journal a lot. Um, but And during that time, I journaled a lot. And I went back, and I'm reading through my journals, and I'm seeing the things I'm seeing. And I also, I do see through situations. I do see things that could be changed. And so there wasn't that there wasn't any truth to some of the things that I was like, right. hey, maybe we should change ministry in this way. Or maybe we can think about, not all those things were wrong. Yeah. Um, but I was reading back through those journals, and it was like, I can see how the lens of he has given up on you he doesn't believe in you. Yeah. Clouded completely everything that you did. Yeah. Which you had no idea. I started there in your mind. Yes. Right. I started, everything. that was the position I started, yeah. and I needed to get above that. I didn't know I was fighting that but, a- at all. But not only that, but you have this ability, <coughs> and it's good, to challenge people in order to help them get better at things. Yeah. I took every time where you said, maybe you could try this, or have you thought about doing this or that, either with my voice or piano or songwriting or whatever, I took every every time, it wasn't even that it was constructive criticism, it was actually just encouragement. Like, yeah. I took every time that you did that as a another tick on yeah, the box a of he on doesn't what believe you're not, me. What you're not- yeah, and that I'm not, that I'm, yeah. you're not good enough because of this. And the bar just kept, to me, that felt like the bar was getting higher, Yeah. but it wasn't. It was you saying, I believe in you. This is something I think you could be better because I see the potential in you. Right. And I didn't see it at all. Right. And to me, I'm, I'm thinking from the mentality of like a coaching mentality. My dad said this often, you know, from stage or whatever, even, but that idea of like, you don't worry when a coach is chewing you out because of what you have or haven't done. Right. You worry when the coach says, go sit at the end of the bench and you don't hear from him. That's when you worry. And mm. so to my mind, I'm not that I would chew anybody out. That's, no, that's I got an extreme. But, but to my mind, it's like, okay, if you want to be in a position where you want to be mentored, you want, like that's what we're going into. That's is, what it is. is. Let's, let's chip at the things. Let's make the things smoother that need to be. Like, that's where my brain went to. And again, I didn't know what I was doing no. at all. Like, this was a whole new experience for me, too. Um, and, and so, yeah, again, hindsight, I'm looking at all these things. I'm like, man, there were so many things I should have done differently. <laughs> but so, so it was for me. Like, so... At that point, I thought I needed a person to tell me, I believe in you. Yeah. I needed a person to say, you've got what it takes. I needed a person to say, you are qualified to do this, and this is how we're going to do it together. Yeah. And in reality, I wasn't separating who I was 
from what I do. Yeah. And so if a person would have come in at that point and said, I believe in you, you've got what it takes, I would have latched all of my insecurities yeah. along with who I thought I was going to be to what that person was saying. Yeah. Versus being able to separate it, which I feel like the Lord did in that year. He separated those things. He helped me to see. He also brought brought conviction to me with like, you need to go to Nate and you need to apologize to him and yeah. tell him that you've believed a lie about him. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that gets serious real quick. And I'm like, Sheldon, you have to come with me. So we set up a lunch and... Well, and my thing too going into this lunch was, okay, after a year and Jess is finally like, told me enough that I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure all of these things that Nate said that were so hurtful to you are basically you two talking past each yeah. other where you're saying one thing, he's hearing it, responding to it, but neither of you are hearing which and responding to, to the same thing, right. which you tend to do. But your minds, both of you are so very similar In a lot that of when you're out of sync, <laughs> you don't really know or care right. because you're just working off right. of what you're working the word, off The of. words are right. We got I'm that. saying yes. things. And, 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 and over so this I'm time, like, if I could just get you two to right. talk to each other and I can just sit between you and say, so what I hear you saying is this <laughs> right. and have both of you agree, well, and, then and I'm sure time, we could go somewhere. You know, we, over this time was when we basically started doing the podcast you know, in, in earnest, you know, yeah, we were actively, like, yeah. and during this time, there were several times after we'd, we'd recorded where I would go to uh, Sheldon and I would be standing up in the kitchen. I'd be like, tell me what I'm missing here. Like, like how, what am I not understanding? How am I not seeing Jess? Like what, there were times where I, and, and there were several times where Sheldon said, well, your guys are going to have to have a conversation about that, but I can tell you about this. And, and he would give me just these little bits and pieces. And so for me, there was this sense of, I wanted to fix whatever had happened. Yeah. Because I knew something had happened, but I didn't feel like either one of us actually knew what had happened, and it was frustrating. Well, me. because it wasn't your fault well, either. And, and I don't think it was her fault either. I think it was, it was literally just one of those things like we just could not sync up. And I think this is interesting because I think this is so much more indicative of what most church hurt is. That's it's us the bringing, point of this. It's us bringing our past experiences and or our preconceptions yeah. in and allowing that to be the initial foundation of, of a relationship or of an interaction, which nobody can nobody can rise or sink to that. I mean, it's just it's just not possible. Well, but we Lord, do it all the time. The Lord's going to use <coughs> who He uses, yeah, to bring about the healing that He wants, that He desires in us. And so it doesn't feel comfortable, and it often is terrible. Yeah, I and I told Sheldon over this time, if we didn't have kids over that year, if we didn't have kids that loved the church our particular church and Sheldon who was super involved. It's not that I didn't love people and it's right. not because I didn't love it. It's that I went to church and I cried Yeah, because every Sunday was a laying down again of, and I should, I should say one thing back when we first came before we had kids, we're sitting in there in church and I had multiple things, a, a picture the Lord gave me and it was confirmed by people of me singing and leading by myself yeah. on that stage. And so for me, it was like, God, did you forget? Mm. Every time I was like, fine, you know what? I'm just going to give it up. I'll just, it, I just won't do it anymore. And it was like that um, in the foster care system. I'll bring this around. In the foster care system, when you have a, a kid who's placed in a home, but they want to try to unite 
the family eventually yeah. after the parent has taken some steps. So it's they, just temporary custody. Yep. They make them go through visits and they say every single visit, it it's a pause and a reset in the grief cycle because the kid, it, it, they're almost to the point of acceptance of, I'm just going to lay this down. I'm going to let it go yeah. and attaching to somebody else. And they keep bringing them back together. And it seems so harsh and so mean yeah. because it's like if, if the parents and the kids could just grieve and have it done, then this could be over. But right. their, their goal is to reunite There's them. So they can't, yeah. they can't do that. And that's exactly how every Sunday felt for that yeah, first six months totally. of me being gone, especially. It was like, I would cry and it would be like, Lord, you promised me. And I'd lay down those promises again. It was like, I'm just giving up on this. And I saw no way forward. I saw no ladder to climb, no road to take. And, but it was, it was the Lord putting me through that grief cycle yeah. of him saying, Every time he would he would bring something to mind that was like, don't you lay this down completely, because it is still true. Yeah. And I just uh, it was terrible, but beautiful now that I look back on it. Yeah. So we sat down, we had a conversation, and I basically told Nate, I believe this about you, and it wasn't true, but it was what I was believing, and so I saw everything through that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember and much. F- well, and that. for me, that was a lights come on moment. Like, oh my gosh, I see, I see what has happened here. Like, it, it opened up so much for me again in terms of how I felt like I needed to communicate, how I felt like I had communicated poorly. Like, I, I started seeing all of these things, which before I just didn't know what was ha- like. I was literally like, I don't know what's yeah. going on, which yeah. I hate that. I hate that sense that that relationship is not working because I can't figure something out. I pride myself on yeah. being able to and read people well and being able to actually find an in with almost the anybody. The whole time I'm sitting here thinking, like, Jess could be such a great asset to Nate because she knows and understands the people on his team yeah. and how he's coming across and how and how things are being communicated. And if those two could sync up, yeah. like, she could help him like hear from people in a way that maybe he doesn't right now, or he feels like he can't figure it out, you know? And, and that was a struggle for you where you're like, I feel like I'm trying to do something and I'm not sure why it's not being communicated correctly. I'm like, if somehow we could piece this together, it would really work. But going back to the, to her misunderstanding, I had a similar conversation with your dad and it wasn't that anything has ever been bad between me and pastor at all. Be, but it was, I misunderstood the church. Yeah. For me, I had that call way back. Mm-hmm. And when I came to our church, I'm like, well, obviously it's not going to be here because everybody's got it taken care of. And then when the Lord shut the door on school, I'm like, well, I guess and the, the only word I had at the time was he has been faithful in a few things will be made ruler over anything. So just be faithful in the few <laughs> things that are in front of you. And I'm like, ah, great. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so like I misunderstood and now that I'm in the ministry track with the Church of the Nazarene, and, and I, I'm like, okay, anything I was trying to pursue back there would not have helped me. Yeah. Right. It would have just been wasted time and wasted money, and I would have been really frustrated by the time I got here. But my assumption from my old denomination was a denomination that called people from the local church, and they saw leadership skills in you, and they would call you and be like, you should be a minister, and here's what we kind of offer as our ministry track, and blah, blah, blah. We see this none in None of this, yeah. none of this was communicated in the Nazarene church, because the underlying assumption of the entire denomination is if you have a call of God, 
God, you're going to tell someone about it, and and then we're going to discern together whether that is a call right. of, from God, and if it is, we're going to license it, and we're going to educate you, and we're going to prepare but it's, you it's for ministry. it's self-propelled at right. the beginning. But you have to initiate right. that. And for me, I'm like, from my denomination I was coming from, that would have been kind of presumptuous to be yeah. like, I feel like I'm called yeah. to be a pastor here. And they've been like, you don't yeah, do that if here. If you really had those, like, you really had that, we would have like, right. th- this would have been something where we approach you. So for me, it was humility. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to be here until they recognize. And so I was, I, yes, I was mad at God for not doing anything about it, but I was a little mad at my church for not seeing like, me. Like, why yeah. don't they see like, us? It's kind of like working a job. And never getting promoted. And it's like, totally. I'm doing a dang good job. I know what I'm doing here is really good. Like, I'm doing a good job. Well, is anyone plus, ever going to see this? You, then, even in that time, you had people talking about telling you how well you were doing, telling yeah, you what an asset yeah. you were, telling you the good things. And even even people that had a lot of sway, like your dad has always been proud of me. And he's always been like, you do a great job. I'm super proud of yeah. you and all this. And I'm like, I'm thinking... What is my path forward? And then finally, when when the Lord just basically said, you need to follow whatever track your church has, because if you have a call and you are planted in this local church and you say, I'm not leaving, then follow your call according to the track that they have at their church. You need to find out what that is. And it yeah. wasn't that so we put ourselves in the church. I, we felt like we were, yeah. were put in this church. Yeah, I sure. started, so I start peppering Nate with questions and I'm like, okay. You're going through, like, all of a sudden, in your life, you felt you never really wanted to be a pastor necessarily. You felt like you could do what you could do without being licensed. Right. And all of a sudden, you felt the call to get licensed, yeah. too. And I feel like that timing was very critical for both of us because you're about a year ahead of me, and you've started down that trail, and so you're you're discovering what it all is. Right. And, and for you, it's like, oh, okay, ho-hum, here we go. And you've gone through all this stuff, and, and I'm like okay, what is this and how does it work <laughs> and what do I need to do next? And after that, what is the point of that? And like yeah. trying to figure everything out. And so our conversation, all, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is, and when I finally came to the realization, the light bulb turned on, this is a person, this is an individual initiated process. It's like, if I want to move forward, I have to step forward. Yeah. They're not going to call me for it. I need to step forward, and then they're going to validate whether or not right. I should be here. Right. And, 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 and you saw, looking back, we could see all of and, the things, all of the crumbs along the trail. It was like, well, their pastor was trying to say what he was trying to say without trying to say it, because yeah. and, you don't. And I, and I thought back to the number of things that I said kind of out of the corner of my mouth, like... Mm. Yeah, but da, 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 da. like yeah. Well, about I remember the some of those conversations that we would and have. So, even. Yeah. And so I, I told your dad, I said, I realized that the last couple of years I've been operating under an assumption that is not true. And I've been thinking this way and assuming things this way and processing things this, this way because I had a wrong underlying assumption about how the call to ministry is perceived yeah. in your denomination. You've done nothing wrong. And I think that's what's important about your interaction with Jess, you didn't actually do anything wrong. And m- the most I could say is sometimes things were clunkily communicated. Yeah. Other than well, that. And, and in like, that conversation, when we sat down, <coughs> we went out to lunch. You, I remember you asking me, is there anything I could have done? Yeah. And I'm like, no. And I said, I'm like, no, because for me, no. it was an inner work for me. It was a, it was a God refining for me. Was well, it pleasant? And, and way, no. And the way I look at it, 
redemptively, I guess, at this point is who knows whether or not or how long it would have taken us to go through this process individually without having to butt heads. Yeah. Like, cause yes. there were things that got refined in me as a result of this. There were things that got refined in you as a result of this. And I'm not sure they would have happened had right. this. And it, oddly enough, it happened in a safe place because like the relationship between all of us was solid. It wasn't yeah. going to go anywhere. Yeah. We were still frustrated as heck with these things, but it didn't matter in a relational sense. It was like, right. this is just a thing that we have on the side I've that never, we haven't figured out. I've so, never been in a situation <laughs> where I loved and cared about somebody. Yeah. And family and everything else, unless it was my actual family. Yeah. Where it was like, I don't know how we get out of this. Oh, yeah. And but, I, but imagine navigating that level of misunderstanding without the relationship exactly. behind it. Is, is it any wonder that sometimes people are trying to get into church or into ministry or whatever and just feel rejected by yeah. something and walk away, whether it was themselves disqualifying themselves or somebody just communicating something in a way that with their past history disqualified them or they yeah. they felt hurt by it and they just walked away and be like, well, they just don't have time or personality mm -hmm. for, for people like me or with my personality. I was, you know, yeah. I, and, and I, just take themselves out I think because the other, they didn't have the relationship. The other thing that was really something that I thought a lot about is I've never been in an experience where I'm like, I think this humbled in seeing how wrong that I was mm. because it wasn't that I was trying to be wrong. I wasn't looking for anything. It was literally in my hurt and my yeah. frustration gave into something that wasn't true. Yeah. And without the Lord revealing it to me, who knows if you have people that aren't willing to, to hear what is true from the Lord or, or haven't experienced that yet, or I don't know, there's so many factors that can make everything so messy. And yeah. yet now we're on the other side of this. And it's like, wow, look at it go. <laughs> I kind of wish Kayla was here to offer her. I know. Yeah, I know. Lots of sense. We would her love loud, her. We loud bless input. her work. <laughs> yes, my wife, my wife works the weekends, works evenings and the weekends delivering babies. But, but on another babies. side, like this podcast would have been another like 20 minutes longer. At least. For sure. <laughs> at least. <laughs> we might still be talking about the magnetic yeah. pulse. Well, oh, and, no. And I guess because we are, we are getting... Yeah, we're way we're too long. Way at too this long, point. but that's okay. That's what podcasts are for. If Joe Rogan can do it, we can do it sometimes. <laughs> if we Joe can Rogan split can do it, it all the time, we can do it sometimes. No, we're not going to split it. Oh into. no, we're just this is going to stand. We're going to let it stand. <laughs> um, but I think the moral of this story, if there is one, <laughs> um, no, is is just again, Sheldon's touched on it, but relationship is so vitally important mm. to what actually goes on in the church. It can't be. An I'm up here, you're down here mentality if you're on staff, or a they're up there, I'm down here mentality if you're not. Like, it has to be relational, it has to be connected, and that has to go beyond whatever you need from a person or whatever you're trying to get out of a person. Yeah. Because if that's the limit of your relationship, it's right. gonna implode or explode, and it will be ugly and there will be hurt. But I think also there's just that reality of none of us know what we're doing. <laughs> like we just don't, we, we know what we're doing in certain aspects of ministry, but we're all figuring this out together. And so if you're in a situation where there's been hurt, start with the assumption that that person either has no clue that they've hurt you yeah. or they have no clue about the hurt that has caused you to hurt yeah. uh, in the situation. Because I would say 90% of the time, that's where you're at. There are very few situations that I've seen and I've been in the church a long time where people have intentionally 
gone after people where they have intentionally yeah. tried to, they happen. Yeah, they, they do. absolutely That's exist. usually selfish ambition them. and it's very transparent <laughs> right. when it happens. I have seen it, but it is, it is, it is, it's, it's the outlier. Yeah. It's the most dangerous. It's the most damaging, but it and is even, the outlier. Even in those situations, there are still innocent bystanders. Absolutely. There are people who are absolutely clueless and do not, or who mean are being to partake- misrepresented? Yeah, or they don't mean to partake in it in any way. <laughs> yeah, but so, it does. It does make me. The last couple of years have made me even more careful than I was before, and I was pretty careful about not talking to others about your negative feelings about a particular minister. Yeah, or member of the church staff, or, or painting them in a in a light that is unfavorable to other church members. Or right. At because, least, because if Jess had like decided to air her grievances to everyone else and not just to me, we would be having a totally different conversation at yeah. this point. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to stay in a church if I had gone around bad mouthing you if for she, an entire if she had spent the last couple of years being like, Well, Nate totally gave up on me and I had this call, <laughs> but eh, you know, he was just what he was. Yeah. You know, and like polluted the well in that way. I've seen people do that. Totally. And it's it's one of the reasons that I don't criticize someone I don't know and yeah. haven't had a conversation with. And I try not to, especially on this podcast, like go after other preachers right. or ministries or anything like that. And as, especially in my my own church, like I may disagree with particular decisions that are made. Yeah. That's fine. It's never anything doctrinal or anything like that. Right. So there's no point in making us think about it. Right. Like, it just was a different decision that a different person made. Like, what have I made the same call? No, but I'm not. I'm not also responsible. Right. And that's one of the freeing things about being a volunteer. You don't have to sit in a meeting <laughs> on Monday morning and tell Pastor why half the youth room is destroyed. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what the youth pastor gets to do. <laughs> I'm just a volunteer. I was along for half of it. You get you know? to be the initiator. I get to go to work, and he has to sit in <laughs> pastor's office. So there we go. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, it, that's one of the things that's freeing about being a volunteer. You don't carry the weight right. of that ministry on your shoulders. Right. So, But you also have no power to change a lot of things. You, yeah. So yeah. there is, just like Pastor was saying this morning, like, Pastors do abuse people, but people also abuse pastors. And I've been in churches back, way back in the day in my home church growing up. I saw it both yeah. ways. I guess I would say to anybody listening out there where if anybody feels like this hit a chord with them, go before the Lord. Like, go before Him and say, legitimately, I want lies out of my life. Yeah. Like, if the truth is going to set me free and you really want to go after being free, then do it. And start and, with you. Don't go to God. Make them see the light. Make like start with what am yeah. I missing? What am I missing here? Yeah. Or, or what are you trying to do <coughs> in this situation? I think because he may reveal, like in our first situation, you guys do need to get out. This is not a healthy yeah. environment. The truth of this situation is, if you stay, it's just going to get worse. Yeah. yeah. Or he may reveal to you, hey, you're believing a lie yep. about this person, and this is why you're feeling this level of hurt. It's because of how you're perceiving what's being said. Yeah. And, and the you're enemy not is actually great. hearing what you think you're hearing. But the enemy is great about that. If he can get you to buy into a lie, he can continuously yeah. give you lines that check that box. And yep. that was my totally. whole li- living existence from my childhood, which we will not get into. <laughs> <laughs> but I I do, I mean, we appreciate you. Yeah. yeah. And And... Being on the other side of this now, back with the team and getting to lead, it's like it's a wild ride and very exciting. Yes. So 
And not only that, but having an actual voice in the direction that we're going. Because you're not just leading from the platform, but you're a part of our leadership team. You're actually helping shape the direction and the vision of where we're going, which has been amazing, um, having that team of people. Which, interestingly enough, <laughs> one of our guitar players, Christian, pointed out to me, he's like, you know, our entire our, our, our leadership team could be abandoned and of themselves. And I started going down the line. I'm like, yeah. yeah. We literally could make a, an entire worship team just so that. And I thought to myself, we should do that some Sunday. Just literally have <laughs> the leadership team as, as, the, as the band. But that's a whole side there note. There you go. But in the end... Guys, fight for relationship. Fight for the family relationship in the church. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. It's messy. It hurts. It's hard. It's awesome. It's joyful. It sucks. And all of the <laughs> other things in between. But fight for it. It is so worth it. Um, fight for your relationship with others and with the yes. Lord. Do not abandon the relationship yes. with the Lord because of your misunderstandings of his representatives. Yeah. Yeah. And fight for the call in his life. Yeah. On, on your life. Yeah. That he's called you to. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Fight for the call in God's We life. love you guys. Yes, we, yes. We, we do. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's it's been an incredible, incredible thing uh, experiencing all of this and, and journeying through all this together for sure. But uh, anyway, I think that could suffice as an action step. Sheldon, do you have anything else you want to say before we sign no. off? No, I'm just glad that we took the time to record all this because... We're being as real as possible yeah, here, guys. And totally. honestly, I just hope our kids hear this someday <laughs> from a place of the next level of yeah. wherever we go. You yeah. know, and, and I do feel like it's really cool to put a pin in this and be like, this is where we came from. This is where we currently are. But I do feel like there's some really awesome things ahead, not only for our local church body, but me and Jess together and for you and Kayla and and where the Lord is calling you. And even pastor, like I have, I have a large hope about where this is headed. So I don't know. I think it's good to put a pin in it here and say, yes, this is what we came through. But I believe that the rest of the story is going to be even better. Yeah. So I would agree. Anyway, I would agree. Getting better all the time. for rocking with us this week, and uh, yes. we'll do something cool next week. I don't yes, know what yes. yet. And Sheldon and I are excited because we get some new gear next week. Yay! I'm new super, mics. Super pumped about that. So we'll that. sound much better. Mm, much better. Much I'll better. have a complete radio voice. <laughs> oh, no. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us again, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.